Today's podcast is brought to you by The Power of A. The Power of A was created by the American Society of Association Executives to highlight the many contributions America's associations make to the economy and society at large. Learn more at thepowerofa.org. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. Leave people alone. And what's, what's interesting, too, is San Francisco, they basically uh, legalized marijuana. So, so weed is cool, but vaping is not. That makes no sense to me. California Republican Representative Duncan Hunter, the most prominent e-cigarette user in Congress, on the prospect of federal regulation of the products. Republicans in Congress could immunize the e-cigarette industry from impending regulations by using a spending bill to shield the products from federal oversight. It's the second year in a row the GOP is weighing a preemptory strike against the Food and Drug Administration, and it's stoking a debate over public health, small businesses, and the lack of clinical data on the product's health effect. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ Health Policy reporter Andrew Siddons. Andrew, why are Republicans so intent on neutering a rule that hasn't been issued yet and that would address what some see as legitimate health concern? So first we have to go into the background of FDA's tobacco regulation in general. Uh, There are two ways that new tobacco products can come to market. One is a pre-market approval process where the manufacturers need to provide FDA with lots of clinical data. It costs millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of pages of information is required. Another is called substantial equivalence, whereby they only need to point to any product released before this, what's known as a predicate date of February 2007 and say, our new product is not any more harmful than this product that had already been on the market before 2007. That's the way 99% of new tobacco products come onto the market today. It's still, there's still FDA oversight, but it's easier to go through. This all hinges now for e-cigarettes on this predicate date of February 2007. In February 2007, the e-cigarette market looked a lot different than it does today. So what the industry and some lawmakers are arguing is that when these e-cigarette products need to be regulated, they won't be able to actually point to anything that they can be considered substantially equivalent to. And by default, all of the e-cigarette products on the market will have to go through this multi-million dollar, uh, really extensive regulatory process. So the language, were it to become law, would require manufacturers to do what? If the date is changed to the present, which is what the uh, Republican appropriations effort would do, there would still be FDA oversight of e-cigarette products. Uh, Manufacturers would have to register with the FDA. Uh, At some point, the FDA will likely put out product standards saying, that only so much of certain ingredients are allowed to be used in the liquid nicotine uh, or certain batteries need to be used, and they'll have to adhere to these these product standards. So they they won't be completely immune from any kind of FDA oversight. And then any new products will have to go through one of the new approval pathways. It's just a lot more likely now, if the language were to become law, that they could go through the uh, less rigorous substantial equivalence process. 
Now, the e-cigarette rules in question have been sitting at the White House since October. Why is it taking so long to issue them when rules typically take, oh, maybe three months for a review? Well, so the FDA put out its draft guidelines uh, two years ago, and since then they've just been sifting through thousands of comments from industry, uh, people interested in public health, the general public. And what they say is that they're taking all of these comments seriously and trying to incorporate them. It's also going to be very economically significant. And I think the White House doesn't wants to make sure that they don't create any major waves with this. Uh, and I think people are sensitive to the fact that when these rules come out, they could actually have public health implications. There's, you know, some people who argue that e-cigarettes are better for you if you are already a smoker and you switch completely. And I don't think anybody wants to be responsible for destroying the e-cigarette industry, which you know, the industry argues that these rules could do. Now, the products have become very popular with middle and high school students. And last year, Democrats stripped almost identical language that would have immunized manufacturers from um, regulation from the omnibus spending bill. Are you expecting a similar fight, similar outcome this year? Well, the e-cigarette language last year was one of, I think, many policy writer victims uh, that didn't survive the final uh, omnibus process. Um, There were more important issues that uh, congressional negotiators wanted to deal with, and this is one of the things that was left on the cutting room floor. Uh, Representative Tom Cole from Oklahoma is the major driver behind this um, appropriations language. And he told me last week that he wants to possibly make some concessions for other members who have concerns about e-cigarette flavors that might be attractive to to kids and young people. And he agrees that that, you know, is a legitimate issue. Uh, The CDC put out new numbers last week that shows e-cigarette use among middle and high schoolers is on the rise. It's the most popular tobacco product uh, for young people. And people worry that kids will start on e-cigarettes and eventually switch to more traditional and more harmful uh, combustible nicotine products. So the e-cigarette business isn't a monolith. You have some big tobacco companies, but then there are vaping shops, other small businesses. Has this specter of Main Street versus big government regulation influenced this debate? We'll see if it will. Uh, One of the biggest parts of the e-cigarette industry's lobbying effort has been bringing these small business owners uh, who own these vape shops, who distill their own flavors uh, on site. They've been bringing them to Capitol Hill, uh, introducing them to their uh, representatives and senators. And, you know, these small business owners say they won't be able to afford to put the liquids that they make on site through the FDA's multimillion dollar approval process. Uh, They will have to go out of business instead. When these people are making that argument to their lawmakers in person, you'd think that might have an an effect. And I'm sure these lawmakers are sensitive to the fact that, you know, this isn't just going to affect the big tobacco companies. While they do have skin in the game, so to speak, and make e-cigarettes themselves, a large part of the industry is smaller businesses. And if the, when the regulations come out, it's going to be a lot harder for the small businesses to comply, no matter what they are. For big tobacco, this is you know, something they're, they're used to spending a lot of their money <laughs> um, on difficult regulations and, and things.
CQ Health Policy reporter Andrew Siddons on congressional Republicans and the FDA and the regulation of e-cigarettes. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud.